Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapters 32, 33 and 34 of The Maze Runner. So where we left off, Thomas went up to see Coma Girl, who has a name and it's Teresa somehow. And then she's starting to talk telepathically with him and he's like, what? So he just goes for a run. And then he spent a day in the slammer. Well, not a day, at least like a solid eight hours. And, and here we are. He's waking up. It's the next day and he's going to be a runner. Oh, he's always wanted to be a runner. Just going running. So Mino's waking him up before dawn which, oh, it's, it's bloody rough. As if you'd want to be a runner, these bastards have to wake up before dawn every day and go running. Uh, I mean, no, thank you. And Thomas is like, you know, a bit tired, but he shakes it off because he's excited to be running. So they go out towards the back of the homestead and Minnow pulls out a key and opens up a shabby door leading to a small storage corner. And Thomas, he is just like creaming his pants. He felt a shiver of anticipation wondering what was inside. He's like, oh my God, I'm a runner. What could it be? So happy to be running. And he catches glimpses of ropes and chains and other odds and ends as Minnow's flashlight crisscrossed the closet. Okay. Is anyone else getting like kink vibes from this? Cause like, I just watched that show on Netflix, how to build a sex room. And when I say watched it, I mean, I skipped through a couple of episodes on a plane and then I was like, not for me, but that show is such a fucking weird, odd duck of a show with this old lady who just, have you seen this? She just comes in and she teaches people, well, she, she redecorates a room in people's house to be a sex room for them. And she's all like, oh, you know, it's so important for couples to have sex. And then she's like, so what do you like doing? Do you like butt stuff? Do you like toys? Do you like whips? Do you like chains? And then she'll just like get the information on what they want. And then they'll go away and then they'll come back and she'll be like, look, it's a sex room. And it's like a room with all these floggers and like, uh, uh, like those big X's to tie people up. It's crazy to me. And she's like this 70 year old, like doll of a woman. She's like the Harry Potter candy from the trolley lady. And you're like, what, what are you doing whipping out all these sex toys, doll? So that's, that's where my mind went. When, when Thomas is seeing glimpses of ropes and chains and other odds and ends, I'm like, oh, hello. That sex pest from Netflix. Did she design this closet? But it's actually more boring than that. Um, there's just like an open box full of running shoes. And Thomas is like, that's so ordinary. Well, well, I don't know why he's laughing about how ordinary that is. And Minnow goes, yep, they're the number one supply that we get. 
at least for us, they send new ones in the box every so often. So the creators, with a capital C, they send up running shoes for the runners to go running through the maze to escape the maze. It's like, guys, do you not think that perhaps there is no exit to this maze if the creators are encouraging you to run? Like what you're doing is in an act of opposition. They're like, yeah, you want to run around and waste all your time? Here's some shoes. Why, would, why do they think this is their best plan? Oh, the creators must be laughing. Oh, <laughs> they're laughing. So Minnow goes, what size do you wear? And Thomas goes, size? Question mark. And, uh, wh- what do you think he's asking you? Like, he's not asking how big your dick is. He's asking how big your foot is. You're talking about a box of shoes currently. And he goes, oh, oh, I don't know. Because, because remember, he can't remember things. Oh, he can't remember his own shoe size. Okay, so then what? Okay, get this. He reached down and pulled off a shoe he'd worn since coming to the Glade and took a look inside. And he's like, oh, size 11. Um, has he, has he not taken his shoes off previously? That sentence implies to me, he reached down and pulled off a shoe he'd worn since coming to the Glade. Guy's been there a week. I, I, I don't, I don't want to even think about the stench coming from that foot. Nuh-uh. He must have trench foot at this point. And now I'm thinking, do they shower? We haven't heard of him ever showering. We, we've not laid eyes on a shower yet. So he's just sleeping in his shoes. Oh, God blimey. Disgusting. And Minnow's like, well, you've got big feet. Because he picks up like a size 11 shoe. And he goes, we could go canoeing in these things. Like what? With what body of water? Like what? I get he's making a joke, but like, what? Why, why are we laughing about the size of Thomas's feet? And then he gives Thomas a watch and he says, only runners and keepers get these. Put it on and never take it off. Your life might depend on it. And Thomas is like, oh yeah, that's, that's cool. But he's also thinking, oh, the sun and the shadows is enough for me to know when I need to start running back home from the maze. Like, I'm good. But he's like, you know what? The watch, the watch is nice. It's a bit of fashion. And Mino says, here's a backpack, water bottles, lunch pack, some shorts and t-shirts, other stuff. He's getting a whole swag bag here. And then he's also holding out a pair of tightly cut underwear made from a shiny white material. And he goes, these bad boys are what we call runny undies. Runny, that's R-U-N-N-I-E, proper noun, capital R, of course, um, hyphen undies. Runny undies. Keeps you um nice and comfy. Okay, so I get, I get that they're, that they're a nickname for people who are runners. Only the runners wear these undies. So they call them runny undies. But where I come from, if I hear runny undies, I think someone's got diarrhea. It's like, oh, look at this guy with his runny undies. Means someone shit their pants. So it's, I wouldn't say runny undies. It's just what I'm saying, okay? And Thomas is like, what do you mean by nice and comfy? And he goes, you know, you're, um, you know. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. Like, shut up. Don't say it. And I'm like, you asked. And I guess the implication is it stops their dick from flopping around while they run. Very important. And Minnow's like, yeah, well, a couple of years running your butt off every day. You figure out what you need and you ask for it. And he's like, whoa, you guys asked for this? You just get supplies. Like, you just get given whatever you want. And they're like, well, we drop a note in the box. And, you know, sometimes they, they answer our wishes. Sometimes they don't. And he goes, ever ask for a map? Like, you are just such a fucking smart ass, Thomas. Like, 
Yeah, of course they've tried asking for a map, and of course they didn't get one. Minnow's like, yeah, we did try that once, actually. Hilarious. So Thomas puts on his shoes, and he does that thing where, you know, he, he does a little run around, he jogs in circles, trying to test them out. And he says, yeah, they feel pretty good. I guess I'm ready. He's doing that thing. You know, my mom always made me do that whenever we would buy, like, school shoes. She'd be like, walk around the store. And I'm like, oh, do I have to? Like, they fit. They're fine. And she goes, walk around. And then she does that thing where she's, like, looking for the big toe. You'd think the big toe was the holy grail. She'd get down on her knees and she'd put a thumb in the top of the shoe being like, where's your big toe? Where's your big toe? And I'm like, it's right there where it always has been. It's my big fucking toe. It hasn't moved down to the back of the heel. And she's like, stand on one leg, now stand on the other leg. And it's like, am I doing all of these gymnastics in my school shoes? Like, I don't think I am. But, you know, I I do it to this day. Every time I buy a pair of shoes, I'm like, oh, better walk around for a bit. So Thomas is doing the same thing. We all do it. But Minnow, he's he's got a look of disgust. A look of disgust is on his face. And he says, you look like an idiot prancing around like a shuck ballerina. Okay. He's testing out his shoes. Everybody does it. You look like an idiot, like a ballerina. Like, I don't think ballerinas wear joggers, but whatever. And he goes, all right, well, let's go get some weapons. And Thomas is like, weapons? And Minnow says, weapons. Like, this book is so repetitive. <laughs> he goes, come on, I'll show you the weapons. And so then they're like, oh. and so then he, he follows Minnow into another room where he, where he gets out weapons. They go down to the basement. That's where they keep all the weapons. And he says, yeah, we keep them so Shanks don't get to them. And so it's another sex dungeon from the lady from Netflix. So shelves lined the wall. It was 30 square feet, several blocky wooden tables. Everything in sight was covered with all manner of junk that gave him the creeps. Wooden poles, metal spikes, large pieces of mesh. Okay. Yeah, it's a sex dungeon. And then there's barbed wire. And then there's like swords, knives, swords. Bows, arrows, daggers, all, all the, the whole kit and caboodle. Where they got all this stuff? Presumably it's from the box. So why the creators are arming their experiments? <sighs> Beats me. I mean, none of it makes any fucking sense, does it? And so Thomas, he's like, seems kind of dangerous to have all this stuff. What if Ben had gotten down here right before he went nuts and attacked me? Well, then you'd be dead and it'd be a shorter book and we'd all be grateful for it. And Minnow's got no time for that. And he goes, quit your belly aching and pick a couple of knives. We need to spend more time in the map room before we head out, so hurry up. And Thomas is like, ooh, he's pumped. Says he's pumped. He'd been curious about the map room (laughs) ever since he'd first seen a runner go through its menacing door. Yeah, he sees a menacing door and he's like, ooh, what's that? And so then he grabs grabs a knife and he's like, oh God. And he gets like nervous again. It says, even though he knew perfectly well what lived out there, he still didn't want to think about why he needed weapons to go into the maze. Well, you know why. You just said why. Because you know what lives out there. Grievers. Like, is he forgetting that grievers exist? And like, he was talking to me and like, oh, I'm terrified to think why they need so many weapons. You know why. You've had a night in the fucking maze. Like, you, you know the drill. So then it's a half hour later. They're at the map room. And Thomas is excited again. He's going through a roller coaster of emotions, this kid. But he's excited again. And then the door opens, and as he enters, he feels a cool fear mixed with an intense curiosity grip him, and then he had to remind himself to breathe. So now so now he's no longer excited. Now he's going, now he's fearful. Okay, this guy. And so the room smells. It's got this coppery scent. 
And then he has a distant faded memory of sucking on pennies as a kid. Uh, Where did that come from? I I was led to believe you had no memories. You don't even know what size shoe you wear. And now you're remembering sucking on pennies as a kid. I mean, how fucking random is that? So then Minnow's turning on the light and we get another room reveal. But Thomas was surprised at the room's simplicity. It had concrete walls, barely any decoration. What? A wooden table was in the centre with eight chairs tucked around it. There's paper, there's pencils, blah, blah, fucking blah. And Minnow says, welcome to the map room, proper noun, capital M, capital R. And then Thomas is disappointed. He'd been expecting something more profound. What? He was expecting a full-on Game of Thrones situation room. You know the map rooms in Game of Thrones where there's a big giant fucking desk and they've got little pawns on the table, little carved figurines symbolizing the armies. He was expecting that from a map room. And it's like, dude, you're, you're in some sort of weird maze experiment. You're not Alexander the Great poring over maps of the known world, deciding what to conquer next. So then Minnow does a demonstration. He pulls out a piece of paper and he draws sort of the maze, I guess. He's drawn a big box and then filled it with smaller boxes until it looked like an enclosed tic-tac-toe board. Three rows of three squares, all the same size. And then he writes glade in the middle. Okay, so all right, that's the middle of the maze. And then the maze is around them in, in eight squares. Okay, got it. And then he's drawing little notches around those squares, which are the doors. He says, you know about the doors that are connected to the glade, but there's other doors out there. They all stay in the same spot but the walls change every night other than that. And Thomas, he's now fascinated that the maze was so structured. Uh, uh, did he think it was an unstructured maze? Like it's a, it's a maze. How many mazes have you been into that didn't have some structure to them? And Minnow just says what we already know. The walls move every night. There's the glade surrounded by eight sections. They've been searching for two years and haven't found an exit apart from the cliff which they do not want to use as an exit because then they'll die. But apparently the main corridors outside the doors don't change, just the ones a little deeper out. Okay, whatever. And they always have at least eight runners, including the keeper, one for each section because it takes them all a whole day to map out their area each day. And so then they come come back and they draw what they remember And they do a map per day to see if there's like any, you know, similarities in the previous days and months and years. And he goes, that's why these things are shuck full of maps. And he's pointing towards all these chests that are filled with maps. So much so that they call it the map room. And then Thomas, he then has a depressing and scary thought being like, oh, am I replacing someone? Did somebody get killed? And Minna goes, nah, we're just training you up. Someone will probably want a break. Don't worry. It's been a while since a runner was killed. And then it says, for some reason, that last statement worried Thomas, though he hoped it didn't show on his face. For some reason, Thomas was worried that runners have died from this. Like, of of course you worried. What do you mean for some reason? So then Minnow says, the mazes basically repeat themselves about every month, but we've yet to see an exit open up that will lead us out of the square. Never been an exit. Okay. So (laughs) help me out here. It repeats every month and yet you keep trying. (laughs) So like you've seen every possible outlay of this maze and and you're you're still holding out hope even though it's on a repeat. What makes you think there's an exit? 
Maybe jumping off the cliff is the exit. And Thomas, he says, well, it's been two years. Haven't you gotten desperate enough to stay out there overnight? See if maybe something opens while the walls are moving. Dude, you've been out there at night. Can you see perhaps why they don't go out there at night? He, he can't comprehend that. The number one rule, and it just, it, it keeps slipping his mind. And Minnow's pissed off. He's like, okay, mate, like, shut up with your little theories. We've been doing this for two years. Like, give us a fucking break. And he's like, oh yeah, actually, I'd rather come home safe and sound to the Glade every night than ensure another battle with the Grievers. He's like, oh yeah, the Grievers. I'm well acquainted with them, and yet I keep forgetting about them. So then Minnow returns his gaze to the maps in the trunk. And I'm sorry, maps is a proper fucking noun as well. Maps is a proper fucking noun, capital M. Why? And then Minnow basically says, yeah, we're not even close to figuring it out, but we have to keep trying because, you know, what else are we going to (laughs) do? We can't give up. And Thomas is like, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, God. Thomas is like, yeah, you're right. We can't give up. We can't. And then Minnow goes, right on, bro. We can't give up. Why are we repeating things? And then Minnow's like, all right, well, we better get into the maze. Let's go. And he's like, oh, oh. And now he feels nervous again. This roller coaster, nervous again. And then he's excited because they're going running. He says, you're ready? And he goes, I'm ready. And then Minnow says, let's go running. And that's the end of that chapter. Fuck, we did. Okay, then chapter 33, they go running. So they're going to section eight. And Minnow's just running ahead. And Thomas is following him. And then I think they cut through section eight to go to section one. So that, okay, section one must be Minnow's section. And Thomas is following him, but then he's like, oof, getting pretty, getting pretty hard to breathe back here. His breath start getting heavy. And he's like, oh, geez, I hope it's only my jitters. It's like, no, it's probably because you're running. And so Minnow just takes out a notepad and he starts making a couple of notes. And he says, I rely mostly on memory. But about every fifth turn, I write something down to help me later, just remember. But it's mostly stuff related to what's different from yesterday, so then I can use yesterday's map to make today's. And Thomas is intrigued. He's like, wow, that makes sense. As much as anything makes sense. Yeah, sure, it makes sense. So then they get to an intersection with a few options. So Mino just cuts right, but as he goes, he cuts off a bit of ivy from the wall and leaves it at the entrance to that little intersection. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. 
Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And Thomas says, breadcrumbs. And then the old fairy tale popped into his mind. Okay, so he remembers Hansel and Gretel. Okay. Can't remember his shoe size. Can't remember anything else, but he remembers sucking on pennies and he remembers Hansel and Gretel. So then on they went, following the course of the maze, sometimes turning right, sometimes turning left. Yeah, no fucking shit. Where else are they going to turn? Like, sometimes we'd go left and sometimes we'd go right. This is a thrilling book. So then Thomas takes turns cutting down the ivy and oh God, we get a whole bloody montage of how he was bad at the start, but then after doing it 10 times, he got really good at cutting down the ivy. Like, okay, brilliant, precious, great. So then they stop for a break. <sighs> they pull out some water and an apple and he guzzled his water, relishing the wet coolness. <laughs> All right, how, how wanky. Like you don't need to talk about water in that way. Oh, as it washed down his dry throat, he's like, oh. He must have been making a meal of that bottle of water because even Minnow's like, ah, slow down there, fish head. (laughs) Minnow's probably sitting next to him being like, why is this guy in a white snake video pouring water down his face? And then Thomas stopped drinking, sucked in a big satisfied breath and then burped. I don't, I don't burp from water. Is that a thing? Do do people burp from water? Surprisingly, I, I don't burp from water, but give me any bit of dairy and I'm burping all over the joint. And then Thomas thinks it'd be fun to bring up when Albie got attacked by that griever that was pretending to be dead. And Minnow's like, oh, well, yeah, guess what? Wasn't actually dead. And Thomas is like, well, yeah, I know that. Albie poked at it with his foot like an idiot. And that bad boy suddenly sprang to life <laughs> and rolled over him. Oh, the bad boy sprang to life. Okay, are we assigning genders to the grievers now? Like, don't assume a griever's gender. You do not know that griever. You are not assigning them a gender. No. Like, must we gender everything? Must we? Maybe it's a non-binary griever. Like, have you ever thought about that, Minnow? But Minnow says it seems like it was just trying to get out of there and Albie was in the way. And Thomas was like, what? So it just ran away from you guys? And he's like, yeah, I guess. Maybe it needed to get recharged or something. And then Thomas says, well, what could have been wrong with it? And it's like, did you not just hear him say that it needed to be recharged? Like maybe he's out of charge. What, what could be wrong with it? Like, just listen, Thomas's listening skills are not great. And Thomas is like, I wonder where it went. Where do they always go? Like, where do the grievers go? And Minnow's like, huh, never really thought about it. And Thomas says, haven't you ever thought of following them? And Minnow's like, "Uh, no, the fuck I haven't. And then something's tickling his mind palace. He goes, something about that griever being dead and then not dead. Something where it had gone once it sprang to life. Something's tickling his mind palace. And then he's like, "Mm, can't figure it out. And so then he just runs after Minnow. And then they run for two hours more. 
couple of breaks, couple of water burps. And Thomas is starting to be like, oh God, this running's hard. It's, I'm sorry, but you have crapped on for 30 chapters about how you want to be a runner. Oh, I don't know why, but I want to be a runner. I don't know what a runner is, but I'm just compelled to become a runner. My destiny is to run. And now that he's actually running, he's like, oh, this is hard work. Now he's cramping and he's having second thoughts. So then Thomas is like, well, what's the deal with those beetle blades while they're having lunch? Why do they have the word wicked written on their backs? And Mina says, dunno. Oh my God, this chapter, like we're just regurgitating things and just, (sighs) he's asking questions, which he loves doing. And for once, it's not someone being like, stop asking questions, greeny, you stupid shank. How dare you ask questions? Mino's letting him ask the questions, but he doesn't have any fucking answers. So it's just as pointless. It's just as thrilling to read. And Thomas goes, who are they? Like, who's watching us? Like, who are the creators? And he goes, oh, I don't know. <sighs> and then Thomas catches like a plaque on the wall, just like a random plaque. And it says, world in catastrophe, kill zone experiment department. And he goes, what's this? And Mino goes, oh, I don't know. I mean, stamp that on your fucking tombstone, Minnow. I don't know. He says, they're all over the place, like freaking labels for the nice pretty maze they built. So they've been told that it's an experiment. And yet, I still don't think they've clocked that they're in an experiment. Like, oh, we're in an experiment, but we've got to get our way out of the maze. Maybe that's the experiment. Seeing how long it'll take for you to give up. And Thomas is like, well, that doesn't sound very good. Catastrophe, kill zone, experiment. Oh, no. And he's like, yep, yeah, well, let's keep running around this maze just for, for some reason. So then an hour after lunch, they get to the last dead end another long corridor that they've already been down, I suppose. And so then Mino's like, all right, well, let's go back. And Thomas is like, well, that's it. And he goes, yeah, well, that's it, Grainy. So then Thomas is frustrated and Mino's running back and he's like, yeah, well, you know, the door's going to shut soon. And he's like, oh, I really want to look around. And I was like, what? No, you know, you can't look around. You're on the clock. And Mino makes a comment being like, oh, there's no exits anyway. Even though I think he believes there is an exit, but he's like, oh, there's no exits anyway. Like, why would the creators give us an exit? Which is a great fucking point. And Thomas is like, well, then why are we doing this? And Minnow says, why bother? Why bother? Because there has to be an exit here. What? You just said there was? He goes, there's gotta be. I don't, I don't understand. Uh, and so then Thomas is like, well, this sucks. And he goes, smartest thing you've said all day, greenie. What, why are they fighting? <laughs> I can't keep track. So then they run oh, and they start running. And then, so they make it back to the glade. They go to the map room, they draw a map. And then Chuck's trying to have a conversation with him. And he's like, I don't want to talk, Chuck. I've been running all day. I'm tired from running. So he goes to his little spot, you know, his spot where he likes to sleep. And then he's wondering how he could possibly do the same thing tomorrow, especially when it seems so pointless. Being a runner had lost its glamour after one day. So now he's regretting it. It was his life's dream to be a runner. And now he's like, oh, fuck. (laughs) I want to be a slopper. I want to be a slopper. Take me back to any other little job. I don't want to run. He's like sore. His body's sore. I don't know why he didn't expect that to happen. And so then he's very close to sleep when he hears a voice in his head, a pretty feminine voice. (laughs) And then the next morning when everything started going crazy. Oh, spoiler alert. He'd wonder if the voice had been real or part of a dream. Well, you, you know it's, 
you know it's real because it's not the first time someone's telepathically communicated with you. Uh, Teresa specifically, it happened yesterday and he's like, was that all a dream? No, it, it happened. You ran out of the room, spooked. Anyway, so what she says is, Tom, I just triggered the ending, proper noun, capital E. I don't know how she's communicating in proper nouns, but she is. And that's the end of that chapter. So as, as foreshadowed, the next morning, everything goes crazy. So he's waking up and there's this weak, lifeless light. And he's like, oh, must be early. Must be early. Oh, I'm awake before dawn. Don't you love that? New lease on life, you get to sleep in. But then he's like, wait a minute. No, it's not the normal light of morning. And then he's, he's looking up at the sky. He's gawking towards the heavens, it says. And he says, oh, there's no blue. There's no black. There's no stars. There's no purplish fan of a creeping dawn. The sky, every last inch of it was slate gray, colorless and dead. And then he thinks to look at his watch. Like, did, did he forget he had a watch? He's staring up at the sky like he's Copernicus. And I'm like, did you forget you had a watch on your wrist? And yeah, it's actually an hour later than when he should have woken up. And he's like, what's going on? And then he's looking at the heavens again. He's looking at the high heavens. And yep, no, it's still all gray. Not cloudy, not twilight, not the early minutes of dawn, just gray. The sun had disappeared. Clearly you're in some sort of big old factory or something. You're on a sound stage. And people are playing pranks on you. You saw the evidence that this is an experiment. So then Thomas is walking around and every, everyone's all a Twitter. Even though only the keepers and the runners have a watch, apparently everyone else has figured out that there's something going wrong. And so Thomas is silently watching the commotion and he didn't feel nearly as panicked or frightened as his instincts told him he ought to be. And it surprised him that so many of the others looked like lost chicks thrown from the coop. It was in fact ridiculous. So he's like shading everyone else for being concerned. Even though he was concerned in the last paragraph, he's acting like, oh, I'm not bothered by this. And I'm like, you were looking at the high heavens. And then he's thinking, well, the sun obviously hasn't disappeared. That's crazy. Suns just can't disappear. He probably hasn't remembered what an eclipse is. He's remembered panties. He's remembered Hansel and Gretel, but he hasn't remembered eclipses. Okay. He's thinking there has to be a scientifically acceptable reason for what we're witnessing here. And what it means is, well, if we can't see the sun, that probably means there'd never been a sun in the first place. A sun couldn't just disappear. Okay. It it does at nighttime. Maybe it's daylight savings time, guys. Maybe you're waking up an hour early because they set the clocks back or forward. I, I can never figure it out, but they set the clocks an hour different and and you're discombobulated. It happens every daylight savings. I get it. But he's thinking a sun just can't disappear. So that means that the sky must've always been artificial and fabricated. For a dumb person, he's figuring out this pretty quick, isn't he? And he's like, yeah, the sun must've been fake. Everything about this place was fake. It was the only explanation his rational mind could accept. And it was obvious from the other Glader's reactions that none of them had figured this out until now. You hadn't either. <laughs> but why, ha- why haven't they figured it out yet? Like it doesn't rain. I figured it out chapters ago. So people have been there for two years with no rain and yet they're like, huh, maybe it's not a real sky. That's crazy. And it's like, you came up out of a box with no memory and you're stuck in the middle of a maze and you're not, and you're not thinking outside of the box just yet. Like, okay, 
maybe, maybe step outside of yourself and have a look around at your surroundings and just like think about your life. Maybe question things a bit more, Gladers. Come on. So then Chuck wanders over and he's like, oh, Chuck, I don't want to talk to you, Chuck. But then Chuck's chatting to him and he's like, oh, Chuck. And Chuck says, makes you wonder about this place. And Thomas is like, you know what, Chuck, you've nailed it. You've bloody nailed it. Because Chuck says, looks like a big gray ceiling. Close enough, you could almost touch it. And he's like, yeah, you know what? It is a ceiling. I bet it's a ceiling. Oh, God, here we go. And then Thomas remembers Teresa's words inside his mind about triggering the ending. And he's like, huh, wonder if that's got anything to do with the sun disappearing. <laughs> he goes, it couldn't be a coincidence. Could it? He's like, hmm, maybe it is. I don't think it's a coincidence. I just triggered the ending. Uh, oh, and coincidentally, the sun has fallen out of the fake sky. And Thomas says to Chuck, being like, yeah, something must be broken. You can't just make the sun disappear from space. Plus there's still enough light to see by as faint as it is. Where's that light coming from? And Chuck's like, oh yeah, there is a bit of light. Didn't think about that. And he goes, what's going on? And Tommy goes, no clue, Chuck. No clue. Even though he, he's, had a, he's got a few theories, but he's like, not a clue, Chuck. And then Minnow comes over and he's like, hey, Thomas, quit your leisure time with Chucky here and let's get going. We're late. And Thomas is like, what? We're going into the fucking maze. Like what? The sun's disappeared. And Minnow's like, oh yeah, of course we are, Shank. Gives us more reason to go get our butts out there. <laughs> he says, if the sun's really gone, won't be long before plants and animals drop dead too. Just write a note, send it down in the box, asking for some sunlight, perhaps. And then a mixture of excitement and dread sweeps through Thomas. Always, always the excitement and the dread. So then Thomas is, he's churning his thoughts about the grey sky and what Teresa, and then it says, at least he thought it had been the girl, what she'd told him in his mind. And it's like, yeah, it was Teresa. Like, who, who else would it have been? And he's thinking, huh, I wonder what she meant by the ending. Maybe this might have something to do with it, Thomas. So then they're in the maze and they're going from section eight to section one and they see a griever. And so Minnow's like, oh, quick, stop running, Thomas. We're going to run into a griever. And Thomas is like, ah, I don't want to run into a griever. And Minnow says, there's a freaking griever up there. And he goes, oh, no. (laughs) So repetitive. And then they notice that the griever's just sitting there playing dead, just like the one that almost killed Albie. And Thomas is like, what do we do? And it's like, um, don't go up and kick it. If we've learned anything from Albie, it's don't do that. And Thomas says, what do we do? What do we do? It's not moving. What are we going to do? And Minnow says, we have to go that way to get to our section. Like, or you could just not explore the maze for a day. Like just look at what the maze layout was like a month ago and it'll be pretty much the same. He's like, we've got to do our job. We've got to do it, Tommy. He says, all right, well, let's go that way. We'll watch it for a little while and then we'll run back to the glade if it comes after us. But then, but then it moves and he's like, oh my God, it's gone. And then Minnow just bolts for that section where, where the graver just was. Why he's running towards the graver, I'm not too sure. But they're like following the graver. I, I believe Thomas just said, Hey, why don't you ever follow a griever yesterday? And Minnow was like, that's fucking stupid, you shank greenie. Why would we ever do that? And now Minnow's just like, you know what? It's not a bad idea. And he's, and he's doing it. So for 10 minutes, they're following this griever. And then they're at the cliff. And then the griever was charging towards the edge of the cliff. 
And yeah, it just, it just rolls right off the edge of the cliff and down into the gray abyss and disappears from sight, a shadow swallowed by more shadow. And that's the end of the chapter. So the gravers are committing suicide, which I'm accustomed to believe is a bad sign. So we'll see what happens there. I keep saying it's a really boring book, but at least at the end of each episode of this pod, something new has happened, right? Like there was mind reading last time and now the sun has disappeared. So at least there's some momentum. As boring and repetitive as it is, at least we're getting some little crumbs, some little Hansel and Gretel crumbs. And okay, let me know your theories, thoughts, questions, concerns, and I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.